<laughs> my favourite part of that episode oh, is when the uh, the Chinese Stig at the end comes up and kicks James May, and Jeremy turns to him <laughs> and goes, "Ooh, in the plums." <laughs> <laughs> This is the Formula Nerds podcast where we talk everything F1, the latest results, what's going on in the sport, controversy, and of course, rumours. Welcome along to Cut to the Race, the podcast by the Formula Nerds. It's the 19th of September today, and this is very bad because it's a non-F1 qualifying day. So we have no F1 this weekend, which means we have to think of original other things to talk about rather than the race, which we will do. Um, but what I wanted to start with today was just obviously a welcome to our panel. We have Johnny here. Hi, hi. We have Matt. Hello, hello, hello. If you're joining us again, we're glad you're back. And we have Will. All right, my lovers, let's get into this. Gert Lush, that's the badger. <laughs> right. <laughs> or- <laughs> But let's just start today with the driver standings, because as we were doing the research for this podcast together, uh, about 10 minutes before we started recording it, um, we, we went, oh, my God, have you seen the driver standings? So, um, Matt, I'm going to pass it to you to tell me the driver standings without looking at them. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> well, top two are easy. We all know that Lewis Hamilton followed semi-closely by Botas. Uh, and yes. Botas. Both off. <laughs> uh, Max will be in there as well. Uh, yeah. In third. From you've, there, three. You've, you've hit the top three. So we've got Hamilton standing at 190. Bottas in second with 135. And Verstappen just a little bit behind on 110. But who's fourth, Matt? Fourth is either going to be... It's got to be Albon or Norris. I'm going to guess Al... Nor... Norris... Yes. Followed yes. closely by Alex Albon. They're, they're close when I looked earlier in the week, and I don't remember. Okay, so we've got yeah, Norris. Norris is in fourth on 65 with Albon behind on 63. Now, who would have said Norris? That's mad, fourth? isn't it? Like, considering uh, the season that McLaren had last year, which was a bit of a joke, and uh, and especially when they had Alonso and, and Van Dorn, that was, that was bad. So this is... Uh, yeah, I, I'm loving this. I'm trying not to be too smug about this. We've nailed the top five. We've got Albon um, in fifth. Who, who's sixth, Matt? Uh, I'll do it since Emma is not here. Uh, that has to be Stroll. That is Stroll on 57 points. Let's throw it. somewhere in Scotland. Emma is currently throwing up because Lance Stroll's name has been mentioned. We, we, we managed she said it was a family to- holiday. She just needed the holiday from our shenanigans, I think, is what it boils down to. <laughs> um, uh, seventh map. Smiley. Danny and Rick. Has to be a Renault driver in there. Yep, he is. Um, he's only four points behind on 53 points. And then exactly. let's just reel off the last uh, the last three. So eighth, ninth, and tenth. Uh, Sergio Perez, Pierre Gasly. Charles, I'll, I'll go. I'll say Charles. You did it just in completely the wrong order. So eighth is Leclerc, typical, with forty nine points, closely followed by Perez with forty three points, and then even closer is Gasly in tenth with forty three points. So there is, just looking at it here, there's ten points between seventh um, and tenth, and only twenty points between fifth and tenth. Now that's a close. Bottom 10, isn't it? Well, not bottom 10. Ferrari in hot contention from the midfield. And Carl, Carlos Sainz will not be far out of that top 10 either. I mean, I have no idea what the points numbers are. He's going to be knocking on the door. He's had a couple of very solid races. Uh, obviously, Lando's chased down on the last three laps. <laughs> uh, definitely boosted his numbers there. But in the same breath that McLaren has come such a long way, who would have thought at the end of the season last year we are talking about the first Ferrari driver will be fighting for eight. That just, oh, 2020, when will your madness end? I think we've just got to go back to, to Stroll here in, in, in sixth for the championship. So he's on 57 points. Now, he he could be in fourth place. He could overtake Norris with another 10 points. Now, why isn't Stroll getting the credit he deserved for his success at the moment? Emma, Emma just puked again. 
I'm sorry, Emma. <laughs> when you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I hate this episode so much. <laughs> that should be the title. Why is Lance Stroll not getting the credit he wants? Sorry, Emma. <laughs> What's going to happen when one of our own presenters like unfollows and unsubscribes to our podcast because we keep using the S word so much? It'll just be imploding. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, let, let, let's talk about it though because it's a serious thing. No, it's it, a good point. It's a on, on the podcast point. last week. There was a, and I listened back to it. There was a cheer when we spoke about Lance Stroll going off the track. He is not a popular man, and I also remember. Um, well, I remember hating him. I, I, I don't like him personally. Um, does do any of us, Johnny? So I, I don't hate him and I also don't like him. But if you're looking at his stats uh, for this year alone, uh, and I'm taking this from the article that kind of brought this subject onto our podcast. Uh, he's been in nine races this season. He's had two mechanical DNFs, so none of them his fault. Seven races finished, 57 points. This was obviously prior to... Um, we called it the massacre. Let's call it the uh, crash tsunami at Mugello last week. Um, so, I mean, if you're just looking at those statistics, he's not shit. On that note, I mean, I think one of the things that he gets a lot of grief for is um, is some uh, often things like his crashes where he's it's just kind of a lack of experience. Um, uh, things like uh, when was it? I think he got spun by Vettel. Um, uh, and then uh, I can't remember exactly what race this was and came back onto the track in the same manner after having complained about that. What's he doing? He's an idiot. Exactly. What's the Ferrari doing? Um, but, but in fairness to him, I feel like a lot of that's an experience. He's evidently qualified, you know, think of how many thousands of drivers, um, in F2 and F3 who are really good and are really trying to make their mark. And he's risen to the top. Now, one of the things that I see that gets criticised at him a lot is uh, is his dad's got the money and that's the reason he's in a team. And I yeah, I mean, arguably, that's a fair point. But if you look at other drivers in the grid, you know, uh, uh, people like Lando Norris, Alex Albon, um, obviously, Max Verstappen, um, they've all had the the benefit of, of a very wealthy family to help fund this, uh, this enterprise and this career that these, these guys want. So I, I feel like the whole, Oh, it's just his daddy's money kind of thing. It doesn't, it's kind of worn a bit thin with me. I think that was a fair comment there. Will about the, uh, the experience point. Now I've just quickly done a quick Google on Lance Stroll. Do you know what his date of birth is? This, this sort of puts it into perspective, right? The guy's been in 71 Grand Prix. Um, and he is was born on the 29th of October, 1998. What? He's only two years older than me. That's madness. <laughs> and you're the baby wow. of the Formula Nerds as well. Uh, mate, I feel like, oh, f- what is life offering me? If that's if he's done that at his age, well, f- well where have we I? all gone wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and here we are together on Zoom talking about Formula One and Lance Johnson. <laughs> I think another thing that really plays into, you know, especially this year, uh, Checo Perez, you know, consistently produces at that team. He is basically the reason that team survived uh, after the rebrand from Force India. He saved all those jobs. He's such an endearing character. His interviews, very humble, very soft-spoken. Yes, you know, he does come with his own political, excuse me, financial backing. Uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name in Mexico City, you know, everybody has sponsors. Everybody has that financial boost to make them more appealing and more uh, sound an investment as a driver. Where it becomes troublesome for the world on the whole, Blant Stroll is, it's that old world nepotism of daddy runs the team, son gets the seat. No matter who the other driver is, even if they are a better driver, which is in even though the points don't reflect this, I still would rather have Checo Perez driving my car than Lance at this point. Uh, it's up to him to change my mind on that. But if I own the team and it, as Lawrence, of course he's going to give the seat to Lance. That's a given. And that is, that's Lawrence Stroll's right. His name is on the checks. He's the one keeping everybody employed. Uh, but I think it's been especially bitter for people to swallow that, you know, no matter how much you dislike somebody, I personally I can't stand the way Lance Stroll interviews. Uh, but if you're signing the checks, you make the shots. So at the end of the day, whether we think Lance Stroll deserves the seat or not, 
uh, it's a foregone conclusion because dad's the boss and he's starting to back that up. But I, I, I think it's it's still important to to keep in mind, you know, born in 98. So he's what, 12. Math is not my strongest subject. But <laughs> we, we, we tend to forget that these uh, <laughs> sorry, Matt, we tend to forget that these these uh, high profile people are not very old. You know, Max Verstappen is uh, if we're if we say Lance is 12, he's 17. You know, Leclerc is is somewhere around the fifteen year. Like they, when Max Verstappen came in, he couldn't even drive a road car. Max is only a year young. older. Just just to just to let you know, Max is only one year older than Lance. So there there we go. I mean, he doesn't interview well. Okay, he's 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 twenty two uh, or twenty one or however old he is. Um, I think we get so used to seeing these people on TV and they're, they're sitting side by side with, with older, more uh, experienced people like uh, Fedor, Bottas, uh, Hamilton, even that we forget that these, these, they're kids. They're basically kids, these guys. And so I think there will be some maturity sneaking in on Lance soon. Uh, I think he'll be forced to, and and with with um, you know obviously Lawrence to your point uh, Matt Lawrence is going to keep him in the team as long as he can and fair play but you don't get a seat in that car if you can't drive a race car and he can he's not the best but he can drive and you know <laughs> uh, without divulging too much you know I may be the old man of this group today uh, I'm 31. And looking at these F1 drivers, oh, J- Johnny, you're the old man. That's right. Oof. We won't drag you for the world to see here, Johnny. Uh, but, you know, as a quote-unquote older man, looking at these new drivers coming up into Formula 3 or in American football even, you know, the sports heroes, people around the world look up to them. You know, as a kid watching these drivers, you always assume when they come into that world, into that contract, you know, that's somebody that's made it. They're there. They know what they're doing. They've done everything correct. They're at the top of their game. That That's a man. <laughs> but then you realize, Lando Norris can't even buy a beer in America. Yeah, but that's because Mark there. is stupid, mate. That's because they've got ridiculous... No, no argument. No argument here. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. It's, it's crazy. I mean, England's not much better. This idea that you can have a beer... Anyway, I'm not going to get into... Sorry. And, and let's be fair, he probably could get a beer, but legally he wouldn't be able to. I would get it for him. Sorry, Mr. <laughs> FBI agent, if you're listening. <laughs> but it just it's wild to think about, you know, we expect such professionalism and a calm demeanor and a cool headedness when they're probably just as sh- some of these people may be just as shocked that they're there as we are. I know if I was in an F1 car at their age, there would be a lot more reason to hate me than there is to hate Lance Stroll. <laughs> it's interesting. We're talking about age and stuff. I've just looked up who I think is this year's most popular driver from all over social media. Who is the man of this year, would you say, all over the, all over the, the social medias? Just have a guess. Oh, it's got to be Landon Norris. I mean, it's Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Twitch, everything. <laughs> He's got all bases covered. So Saturday, Sunday, yeah, he was born on thirteenth of November, nineteen ninety nine. So he's even younger. But that just shows it's you that, that age is pointless talking about, isn't it? It, it? it actually, we've ruined our own argument here about um, about why Lance Stroll is, <laughs> doesn't. <count. laughs> so are we calling this episode self sabotage? Is that where we're going to go with? <laughs> <laughs> the, for, the rise and fall of the Formula Nerds. I can make a documentary on it. We'll have it out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, 10 hours will. Oh, wait, found, 10 um, what was interesting, again, in the news this week was Sykes spoke out, and I, I, I quote here, Sykes mm. is a little angry at the way Perez has had to make way for Vettel coming into the team. What's your thoughts on that? Why is he getting involved? I feel like Sykes is... Is, is I feel like science's beef is because um, I, I might be making this up, but I feel like he's friends with Checo. I think they've known each other for a while. Um, but I guess also science knows, you know, like, you know, I, I from his experience with Renault, he kind of knows what it's like to be in a team that don't 
doesn't value you properly. Um, and I, I feel like um, Europeans have got a really kind of a really admirable sense of morality. And so whereas a Brit might just sort of sit back and be like, oh, well, you know, at the end of the day, we're just going to move on and keep, you know, and, and do that kind of thing. He's probably like, no, I feel strongly about this. Czechos put all this money and time and, and energy you know, because that's ultimately what it all comes down to into saving this team and he's getting kicked out. So, yeah, I can see science's point. Well, also as a human being, I mean, you have to feel for Checo on some level. Even if you're a Lance Stroll fan, as your number one fan, you have to go, you know, we are here because of you. Thank you for all you've done for us and everything. It's, it's just an empathetic statement, I believe, on science's part. Uh, you can't help but feel for him at the mm-hmm. end of the day. He, he actually continued to say, Checo's exit is a shame because the team that he's trusted in for so many years that he practically saved from bankruptcy and they finally get a producing good car for him is now the team that does not want to continue with him. It's a real shame. I think that's fair. I, I, and that's such a mature a mature point as well from, a, you know, because we've seen drivers come out with sort of really silly things, but he's actually said exactly what, what needs to be, you know, it's kind of a bit more meaningful than just sort of, oh, it's a shame to see him go. And I, I think it's fair play. I mean, we're, we, when we see the driver interviews, there is, uh, what, six PR specialists right next to the drivers recording everything they're saying. And that just typically makes their statements bland. He's actually sticking up for himself. Like, this guy should not have been cut from the team, in my opinion. And fair play, go for it. I mean, that's personally what I like. I like when they have personality. I love Kimi Raikkonen. I love, uh, you know, Kevin always says his opinion. And I'd rather that and then having some controversy than 20, 20 drivers that just go, oh, you know, fair play. Uh, it's a mm. world. Say your opinion. Have your say. Instead of being the Ricky Bobby, uh, you know, the KFC chicken nugget car ran really good today. The scripted exactly garbage they make mm-hmm. them put out. Yep. You know the most memorable press conference moments for me are obviously uh, a certain exchange involving Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin Magnussen about <laughs> parts of the male anatomy and what should be done with them. Uh, but it is the most humanizing thing when they have an opinion, and it's not just drone memorization of okay, I have to use the proper name for the team and thank all my sponsors day in day out. You know, have an opinion, stand up for what's right. Mm-hmm and speak your mind that's it humanizes them makes them real you're yeah. not just car driving robots now what, what was also very interesting about this whole perez situation we we know he's a good driver we know he can do it um mclaren have given him a little way out uh, and that was um zach brown's wording there it was um an escape route should perez choose it um zach brown said he would take him on to the indycar team the mclaren indycar team because that's worked so well for Formula One drivers in the past. Look yeah, at you, Isn't that where they go to die? Basically, their careers just like who who went there? So Juan Pablo Montoya went from being a world champ to driving Indy cars, right? Alonso did the same. It's not gone that well for either of them. Alonso's coming back, so you could argue it's yeah. Alonso's already come back. Um, but. The, when you talk about the graveyard of Formula One drivers, I'd argue that that's Formula E personally, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> okay, I mean, right, Ollie, we're going to have some issues, you and me, mate. Do you want to? Oh do you wanna fight down no! There? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel I kind of I appreciate what you guys say. Like you know, as a racing driver, you probably want to finish your career doing something really memorable, and maybe mm, I don't know if IndyCar is is that way, but just from like a family point of view. If Checo's kind of, you know, looking to kind of recoup some of the money that he's spent vast quantities, assumedly, on uh, on Racing Point, IndyCar might be a way for him to just sort of, I don't know, maybe stick at the top of the midfield, maybe try and, you know, make it interesting and sort of plod along and try and get a bit of cash. Also, at IndyCar currently, we still have Marcus Erickson. And I have watched a little bit. I've dabbled, especially when I'm going through Formula One withdrawals. Uh, you know, Fernando Alonso failed to qualify for Indianapolis, the Indianapolis 500 last year in IndyCar. Marcus Erickson, I can't remember the team he's driving for because I'm a Formula One nerd, not an IndyCar nerd. Uh, you know, normally runs in the top 10. Uh, I've not seen how many podiums. I like to say I'm not very well versed. It's just, I think at the end of the day, it's yes, recoup the money. The money is there. Let's not forget there's no salary caps in IndyCar. Uh, but also, 
it's the love of the drive. It's a fast car with an engine, with a steering wheel, and it's it, that's home. Checo Perez is more at home at 200 miles an hour than I may be sitting here in my home surrounded by <laughs> familiarity. That's his familiarity. Think of the time on the road these guys spent. His entire life from carding up has been devoted to that. That would be like losing a part of his soul. Uh, and to fair play to Alonso on that. I think that's the reason Alonso is coming back, is that that's what he needs to feel whole as a human being. And go off. Do it, man. I would love to see him in another formula, in another drive somewhere where I can cheer him on and see him succeed. Talking about Renault, science, it takes us naturally into the first Chinese driver to be in F1. Now, he's just completed his first test for um, Renault. Is that correct? Yes. Guan Yu Zhao. Joe? I was supposed to be the one to get this right, and I've already butchered it. Uh. <laughs> so, just to all our listeners, I said in the pre-show, uh, little when we talk about what we're going to talk about, I said, I- I'm not going to be able to pronounce that name, so I'm just going to have to call him a Chinese F2 driver. <laughs> and then Matt is going to say his name. That's gone really well. Yeah. That I, one of those that has to be correct. I, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's, it's Zhou is his last name. That is right. I don't know where the Zhao came from. Call it stage fright. Uh, but... Has completed his test for Renault, and <laughs> during the dark times of the pandemic lockdown beginning this year, you all may remember that he absolutely obliterated in the E Series races. And to have that continued success in F2, especially with the We Drive as one and the equality that Lewis Hamilton is pushing for, it's a great thing to see. Uh, you know, the more diverse the field, the more people the sport appeals to them we could see a larger field if it continues to grow at this rate so it would be wonderful to see him work through the ranks and join some of the other great drivers we've had come from asia before so we i couldn't actually believe that we've never had a chinese f1 driver i just couldn't get my head around it now who are the other the greats from 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 asia when we talk about f1 i mean you had to start with kamui kobayashi has to be the first uh, Asiatic driver to be listed in that. Uh, I don't know the numbers of how many there have been. You know, you have Kamui Kobayashi, Takuma Sato, Aguri Suzuki, Narang Karthikeyan, let's see, once again, getting the names wrong, and Satoru Nakajima. Uh, those are the five, bam, 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 right there, you should be able, we should all think of. Uh, Karun Chando. India? Are we, uh, are, we, are, we, are we going to count that? <laughs> Technically, that's is that part yeah. of that region of the world, but I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, very, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see um, this gentleman. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name, but it'll be interesting <laughs> to see him um, if he's able to, to to get a seat, and if so, will he be better than his Asian predecessors? Um, you know, there's there's a big step up from dominating the e-series to to being in there for real um reno obviously has a has a has a competitive car this season uh so why wouldn't they have one next season if he's able to secure a seat that that'll be interesting to follow well also you know speaking of takuma sato he is now a two-time indianapolis 500 winner uh winning the Indianapolis 500 this year it just goes to show like we were talking about checo going off to indycar you know if this trend continues we may see eventually in time, you know, past their prime, I'll use F1 drivers destroying worlds and other formulas. So even if your driver departs F1, there are other ways you can watch them. If you're a Stoffel Van Dorn fan, sorry, hate that for you, but he's a Formula E, which is a new Borders winning formula out there. You know, it just because you leave Formula One doesn't mean it's the end, which I think a lot of people forget. Somehow Fernando Alonso is a boomerang, keeps coming back. But uh, <laughs> most of the time, there's some other way to watch those guys continue to dominate and compete. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, there's not many drivers who have made much of a return. Um, the one thing you don't see is anyone going from F1 into F2. That's I don't think that's ever happened, does it? Ever. I can't think of any notable uh, instances when that's happened. Just uh, just going back to your point, Ollie, by the way, about uh, how it's kind of surprising that this uh, this guy is the first or w- might be the first uh, Asian, uh, first Chinese driver, sorry, Chinese, in F1. Yes. 
Um, it, it's it's not. I mean, if, when you think about it, it's not incredibly surprising. Um, Asia has, uh, well, and China specifically uh, has no motoring heritage. Um, you know, F one was born in the country clubs uh, and out of the uh, pockets of rich gents and uh, and young boys who didn't have really anything to do, and so they could afford to spend it money on their cars. Um, uh, and there's and and also. There's just not as much investment in China uh, for this sort of thing, uh, despite what Liberty Media say. It's still a relatively basic trickle down system, and so um, you know it, it, it's kind of uh, how can I phrase this? It kind of makes sense that it's taken this long, and I feel like it's just one of those things where people have had to wait for a while for attitudes to change. But it's great to see that it's being universally recognised as a really good sport and something that's worthwhile, you know, for people to do if they love it. And with the you know Chinese auto industry, a lot of that is based upon, for lack of a better way, knocking off other automobiles that are already out there. And as horrible as I am at pronouncing Asiatic drivers' names, I will not even attempt Chinese auto manufacturers. That's just a losing. I will. <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, our, but you know, brave normal blog will. will well, Bill Google's that. I just have to correct myself. So um, there are a number of drivers that have gone from F one to F two. Um, one of them. I is- wish the listeners could have seen the look on our face when you said that, because every single one of us had a brief moment of panic, looking around the room of going, "Who's taking this one? We don't know." <laughs> um, Alexander Rossi, uh, Roberto Mary. And you're not going to get this one, Roman Grosjean. No. He was in GP2. He got called up to um, F1 and then not retained and went back to F2 again. I'm visibly shaken by that. Wow. My source is Reddit. Just just calling it out there. So if if this is wrong hmm. and anyone writes into the nerds, the source is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash formula one forward slash comments. And anyway, I'll put a link in the description. But uh, we need that user's name so we can just drag him <laughs> and make sure <laughs> the flag deflect. The flag. I found some names, by the way, of these Chinese companies, right? You've got one. One of them is called Geely, G-E-E-L-Y. Apparently, it's the biggest privately owned company. Uh, but my favorite one um, uh, is uh, Dongfeng Motor Corporation. Um, which is uh, actually uh, headquartered uh, in Wuhan. Um, so evidently that area is not just great at producing viruses, but also cars, I'm sure. Um, it's a massive company and they've got some, a lot of these are kind of generic, like Shanghai Automotive Industry Corporation, kind of basic, you know, not very exciting. But I thought Dongfeng, wow, fair play. That's brave. I, I keep thinking of the uh, the Top Gear special back in the golden days with Clarkson, uh, where they, where they go and try out the the cars, and just Jeremy Clarkson standing across a, a store wearing a fake Gucci, drinking a fake Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> and and then they basically jump into a car where the front end is a Mercedes and the back end is a BMW. It's My favourite part of that episode is when the uh, the Chinese Stig at the end comes up and kicks James May, and Jeremy turns to him and goes, "Ooh, in the plums!" <laughs> <laughs> but you know, with that, all of those companies that Will just named, uh, you know, I, we've heard of Geely, uh, but outside of the Chinese market, it makes you wonder just how competitive those stocks are, the sort of revenues they're getting. You know, F one is not a cheap game to enter. And mm. with the diplomatic policies of China, uh, not being a political nerd, formula nerd, once again, you know, how viable is it for these companies to get the capital to start an F1 team? What are their rights to even travel and compete in some of these other countries and things of that nature? Uh, yeah, maybe something worth exploring and researching on. I mean, you, you, you do see uh, Chinese athletes uh, roaming around, you know, uh, soccer or football, again, rather, sorry, uh, basketball here in the U.S. Um, I think capital-wise, I, 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 I don't know that I would be worried. Uh, there is a lot of money in China, and if he gets the right backing, I, I, I don't see that being a, a great big problem for him. Now, political, I don't, I don't know what really to say there, and that this isn't a political podcast, but... Um, I'd be excited to see him. I'd be excited to see him. Um, 
it, it would be great to get some uh, some more diversity into the sport and some new names. Um, we we have a good crop of young talent right now uh, that entertained us all through the pandemic, and uh, uh, getting some new names in there would be would be great, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you look at the big teams out there, well, I'll use Ollie as an example. You know, even Lewis Hamilton. You know, there are so many sponsors just for one car: Tommy Hilfiger, Patronus. UBS, DHL, keep turning Ollie. Let me see here. What else you got on that shirt? Epson, TBC, all of that. You know, uh, the initial parent company would be able to uh, scrape together everything needed, but it's the longevity and the competitiveness that would make it viable. Uh, would need those extra sponsors. I, I may have misspoke that, not made that clear enough earlier. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> Talking of sort of young drivers and success in Formula One, um, Gasly's spoken this week and he said that staying at AlphaTauri long-term is not a bad thing for his career. Um, he says that Outfit has big ambitions to match Red Bull and it's also worth noting that they're no longer the junior team, they're now the sister team to Red Bull. What, what does that mean? Personally, I think that um, the wording of it means absolutely nothing and um, because AlphaTauri have started to get a bit good Red Bull have gone oh we, we probably should look like we care you're our sister team way so personally <laughs> not convinced by that marketing ploy even in the slightest um, they know what they're doing Agreed. but it is very 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 exciting to see that he's made that statement of intent because it means that we might actually get a slightly fairer playing field in my in my opinion one of the things on that is, hey, remember those PR people we were talking about earlier, giving them the scripts? I think that comes into play with that mightily. Uh, but the other thing is, hey, Red Bull have not won a race this year. Alpha Tower have. And two, it's really hard to say that it's a feeder team or a developmental team when that playing field, hopefully with the intent of the 2022 regulation change, is going to bring it all closer together. So you may have Red Bull consistently fighting their sister in a sibling rivalry at the front of the pack with AlphaTauri and Red Bull. Uh, so I think it may be a uh, developmental towards the future, but also, you know, just covering their bases as to how they've closed the gap so mightily and so quickly. I think it's also a testament to how happy he is at Alpha. Um, well, we, we've all seen the uh, drive to survive or survive to drive or whatever we're calling it. Um, he was not treated well with Red Bull, uh, and he's he's clearly happy at Alpha, and now they're competitive. So I I think it makes sense. The whole sister junior team, it probably doesn't mean anything. They'll probably still shift drivers around, whatever they feel like. But uh, I I think it states intent, and I think it states that Alpha will be competitive going forward, especially with the new regulations. I'm I'm excited to hear someone step out and say that about a quote-unquote smaller team i believe i believe just just looking a bit more into it that the difference is um to do with the collaboration between the team i think there's a shift that um uh, alpha towery are going to be using some of um red bull's uh, facilities in milton Keynes as well um what um what france toast has said is that there's going to be a, six, a three and six month delay in this because evolution needs to take place. So basically, they're not going to give it to them this season is what they're saying. Ah, I wonder if they're trying to use that as a financial loophole in the 2022 regulations. If it's your sister, do you get a friends and family discount? Are we trying to get some some reduced cost wind tunnel testing for Alpha Tower? Uh, hmm. That's very interesting. So they're, they're they're moving from Alpha Tauri is not based in England. Am I right in saying that they're in Switzerland? Yeah. No, they're, no. Alpha Romeo is in Switzerland, and Alpha oh. Tauri is in Italy. Italy. Oh, oh, okay. I I I, I got the alphas confused. "Quote unquote synergy and cross con- cross departmental uh, collaboration." Oh God, I hate these words. This reminds me of corporations, but you know, <laughs> synergy, it, it, synergy, yeah, <laughs> synergy. Promote two point two is six. Um, it 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 will probably help Alpha going forward, and it, that's going to be exciting to follow. And if that is the reason for that, I'd be very, very curious to see what Ferrari will do with Haas with Alfa Romeo, if there's an, if that is a legitimate loophole that can be exploited, keep an eye on that. 
Yeah, because after all, Ferrari don't want to be the uh, second best team in Italy for much longer, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say it. I had to say Brilliant. it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Brilliant, Will. On that note, we're going to take a break um, and we'll be back with you in just a few moments, so don't go anywhere. Lewis Hamilton has announced his Extreme E team called X44. Now, who even knows what Extreme E is? Let's give something for the listeners here. Cocaine drifting. Uh, so, yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's mad, uh, essentially, is what I've seen. Um, the the way that I can try and work out is it's 4x4, four four, like properly souped up 4x4 four four cars, and they race in circuits all around the globe, but specifically the difference being that they're racing in uh, environmentally sensitive areas, basically trying to promote, you know, hey, look at this fun race, but also we're doing it near something that's dying. Please, can somebody come and donate money? This needs fixing. Um, that's kind of what I gathered. I think you missed the fundamental difference here is that it's electric. Well, oh, yeah, sorry, I thought that, sorry, yeah, I, I kind of pre-assessed, I thought <laughs> that people would think that, because it's, <laughs> sorry, I, yeah, it, I, that would be rather ironic, actually, in hindsight, wouldn't it? Yes, we're racing with these massive engines pumping out vast amounts of pollution right next to the polluted areas, because we want to speed this whole climate change issue up. Mm. I don't remember the actor's name that does the voiceover for Planet Earth, David but Lassenbrough. with the Thank you, Attenborough. All I could think of is, here we see the last gray rhino in the wild. Then all of a sudden, a truck just flips through it at 120 miles an hour. <laughs> and oh, takes we it down. You could have saved this. Four by four, as he crosses his natural habitat on the way to... It wouldn't really be an engine noise. It'd just be that electric battery engine, just Lewis hammering a rhino. Just right, the right, sweet hum of death wiping out wildlife on a global industrial scale. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not bothered by those. Now, so just just saying about Lewis. Now, um, on the press statement from Extreme E, Lewis will not be behind the wheel or involved in any day-to-day activities, but he will put the learnings of his motorsport career into practice to help guide the creation of the team. He hasn't raced off-road and his experience is in driving completely aerodynamically different vehicles. Uh, I'm just saying. So it sounds to me like he's he's doing this just for his name, which is, again, perfectly fine. I mean, like more power to him if it gets more people interested. But but I wish, I don't know, I just wish people wouldn't kind of dress things up as more than they are. You know, people are still going to watch it. Well, isn't this going to be the continuation of his legacy, supposedly after Formula One as well? So if he's not driving... And he's not involved in day-to-day activities, which would mean managerial or developmental. What is his role in that? That's the third one, Well, he's founded it. It's, it's his name. It's his brand. He's pushing the sport, ah. like, like you've said. And Lewis is very passionate about the environment. And if you didn't know, he's a vegan, so he can't wear leather shoes or leather belts. Oh, is he? Oh, somebody should have told us. Have <laughs> <laughs> you not seen that documentary, Will? <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, the world's quietest vegan. <laughs> um, said in the most obnoxiously loud volume ever yes did you know welcome to the new film for 2020 lewis hamilton is the quiet vegan he runs he drives and he eats plants so the last thing before we leave then today there's been something about ferrari in the news saying that they're going to be learning lessons from schumacher is, is that right Yes, uh, Matteo Bonotto came out this week and said they're going to look to use Schumacher-era lessons to develop the team going forward, which there's a couple of key things there that I would like to discuss. First of all, that says something that Matteo Bonotto thinks his job is secure uh, going forward with Ferrari. I mean, he started off in like 96, I believe, as a test engine engineer, uh, which all this goes to say that despite how poorly they have been run, that's that's an unfair statement, how poor their results have been this year, that somehow that blame will not be laid at his feet uh, with the new design principle change, with them being caught with their hand in the cookie jar when it comes to their engines. Uh, you know, Basically, he's stating that the regulations have put them in a bind. 
they have to find ways to enhance and capitalize upon the regulations as they are and as they will be going forward. Uh, you know, basically they're writing off in essence this season and next season and looking to 2022 as their best opportunity uh, to become competitive again. Uh, the reason Mercedes has been so, well, let me rephrase. One of the reasons Mercedes has been so successful in the turbo hybrid era is everybody else. And, you know, I have a good buddy of mine that made this point the other day when they were told it's going to be a V6 engine with a turbo. Everybody's like, Oh, right. We just make a V6 engine slap on a turbo. Bob's your uncle. And away you go. Mercedes looked at it as to how to package that to develop the split housing turbo uh, to make it more compact, which makes it easier to develop arrow works to go around it, change the center of gravity, how low it sits in the car, so on and so forth. And I think Ferrari got, and everybody else kind of got caught napping the first two years, uh, even though Renault was very, very competitive as for Ferrari. And now we're seeing that design principle being realized at such a successful level that nobody can compete. So they're kind of saying, right, we have missed the bus on this. We're going to wait until 2022 and try and jump back in here and have that same, you know, Prometheus discovering fire moment with those regulations to give themselves a competitive advantage. I don't think it's acceptable for Ferrari to say, yeah, we're just going to skip this year and next year. Um, no. If you haven't seen, by the way, on our Facebook page, Facebook Formula Nerds, um, we put Get a that plug this week about um, the Italian media slagging off, I mean, destroying, I mean, crucifying Ferrari. Now, they, they can't just say, yeah, we're just going to take this season, next season off, can they? I feel, I feel kind of in two minds about it because on the one hand, from a very, very pragmatic point of view, if I was a Ferrari, you know, CEO, I'd say, right, we've appreciated we're not going to be making any championship bid. We're probably uh, uh, not going to not going to do well in terms of uh, in terms of like just pure points let's write the season off and carry on and then try and just use that time to to, to muck around for, for next year um, so on the other hand I can also see some of you shaking your heads because we want to see racing and we don't want Ferrari who are as we've covered before, a fundamental part of the sport to be lagging at the back and being like, ah, don't worry guys, leave us. We'll catch up next year. It's all right. We kind of want everyone together. That that's, that's not, that's not Ferrari. That's not any team on the grid. Like there, there is no team on that grid that would be satisfied being in the back. I, I, I am, I am dumbfounded by that statement that we're going to basically write off next year and the year after. Like how, how is, how is anyone still employed? If you come out and say that as as the Ferrari team principal, I I, I don't get it. Now, Enzo looking look to Schumacher. Sorry, if if, if you're looking to 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 the comment about Schumacher, I noted that he said the Schumacher era, which makes sense because they were dominating. So you want to learn from when you were at your best. Um, don't take two years. You got two weeks. Get it fixed. <laughs> two weeks exactly you wouldn't hear to Paul saying we're going to just take next year off would you I mean um, it's it, it, it makes me cringe you know I, I've, I've openly said I'm a Mercedes fan but god I love I love motorsport and it makes me cringe that whole sort of that whole statement around we've just accepted we're not going to be competitive I mean really Enzo, was the fuel flow meter that important Enzo Ferrari would drag him through the streets like a pariah for making that statement uh, for Enzo Ferrari. The only reason anybody in the world that is not a racing driver drives a Ferrari car is because back in the day when Enzo started racing, he built cars to fund his racing. So that then to come to the modern day and say, you know what, we're, we're going to take a few years off. We'll figure out how to do it in 2022 and get a couple of regulations. It, it angers me on a level that I cannot put into words, even with a poor attempt at an Italian accent. Uh, that's appalling. And we make it the pizza, we make it the pasta, we make it the crappy arrow. It's all one big uh, jumble pot. Uh, I, I, to be fair, guys, I've not been a fan as long as you. Um, and I'm not as annoyed about it, but I, I totally understand. If you're... 
somebody who watches the sport for like like myself in a way actually for the history for the heritage for all of the the baggage that comes with just driving around a track seeing a team that important just bit just being like nah we're we're right lads in that kind of oh well it's just yeah it's disappointing to say the least actually it's almost like an f1 participation trophy like oh good job guys you're out there you gave your best we'll get them next time (laughs) no put your head down and work everybody is going to a design change in 2022 if ferrari is so unconfident in their ability to produce and perform with the same amount of time of research and development that they need to lose as a Ferrari fan, they need to lose this sense of elitism and exceptionalism that comes with the brand. Uh, Ferrari has gotten away with historically so much more than other teams. The fact that they were not fine. Once again, as a Ferrari fan, the fact that they were not in deeper <laughs> Boiling water. That's the edited version we'll use for that. They were not in deeper trouble for the engine fiasco last year. If that was another small team, I can guarantee you Ferrari would have been on the forefront of that charge to just completely destroy that team's ability to go forward. And Ferrari's like, oh, we're Ferrari. We do what we want. And it just it and then to say we're not gonna worry about this year, uh really really upsets me and should upset f1 fans the world over well okay moving on next week we've got the russian grand prix now this has got to be one of my least favorite races of the year um, are you serious i it thought is... that was a meme all aboard the train the choo- i'm not, I'm not even joking i thought the russian gp was a meme for putin to, to plug himself politically oh my god <laughs> Russian Grand Prix is happening next weekend. Now, we can be certain that there's not going to be much action there. So let's just talk about the rest of the year. Um, After that, we've got Germany. Now, that's (laughs) we know that that can prove a a good race. Is this the one where they go back to the Nürburgring? This is Nürburgring. Yeah. But not the proper one, though, is it? It's not the real one. No, it's 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 not the the full ring. It's it's the... But it's not... Oh, we're near it. We'll call ourselves... Yeah, exactly. I'm um, proper excited for that Nürburgring. That's a great track. I mean, we, we've got we've got a cracking calendar. I'm just looking at it here. After that, we've got Portugal. After that, we're going back to Italy again. Then we're off to Turkey for the first time in God, how long? Yeah, none of you are nerds <laughs> enough for that, are you? Um, no, I'm, I'm probably too young for that, to be honest, mate. I'm not even going to lie. If I'd known the answer, I would have said it. But uh, after that, we're going to um, Bahrain for the, the usual Bahrain Grand Prix, even though it's not the second one, it's the 15th race of the year. Then we're staying there for another week, and we're going to do what sounds like this ultimately insanely fast track, which none of us have seen yet, um, which I believe is... 87 laps. 2011 was the last... Turkish Grand Prix. Good Googling that. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, and then we, we're planning to finish the season, uh, round 17 in Abu Dhabi. Um, As you should. Which is the other most boring race of the year. But um, And I think this year, Lewis Hamilton would have won it by the time we get to um, the Nürburgring. So um, we have got some good races coming up. There's going to be a lot more action, certainly, um, this year. Let's just hope that we can have all of these races, you know, as planned. I'm excited, though, because as we've seen throughout countless examples in history, adversity always breeds opportunity. And the people who can take the opportunity are often the ones who will give you the most entertainment and satisfaction. Wow. Wow. Mm. (laughs) Put that on a T-shirt. If that Mm. ever was a podcast closer... Uh, brilliant. <laughs> That's going to be a podcast opener. I'm going to put that before the intro this time. Um, I'll send you my fee later, Rolly. <laughs> That's all right. I've already done it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about the Russian Grand Prix. Um, it might be a short episode. We're, we're not we're not sure yet for obvious reasons, but it could be chaos. Could be three red flags. Who knows with this season the way it is? And God bless 2020. We've we're going to have, as it stands, 17 rounds of racing, which is a heck of a lot more than I had anticipated. So we've got a podcast talking about it. That's what. What more could you ask for in your life, really? Um, if you don't already follow us. Here comes the plug. Facebook, we're on there. All you need to do is type in Formula Nerds. Um, Instagram, 
just type in at Formula Nerds. There we are. There's a lot of funny, funny stuff on there. And if you don't laugh, then you should probably unsubscribe and not even listen to this podcast. Wait, let's not go that far. No, no. These views do not represent the four. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, obviously, we're, please leave a comment on this um, podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. It's really important. Hit that five-star button. Hit it. Hit it. Punch it. Um, get us up the ratings ladder get us to number one or or in the top 50 would be great too we have number 44 at the moment that's ironic no we are number 44 in sports podcasts so um, oh dear happy days as a Lewis Hamilton fan I will say <laughs> oh and, as a Ferrari fan we're not quitting on this podcast how about that no we need to get to number five <laughs> oh before the end of the year <laughs> so um <laughs> Uh, we are going to write off the podcast. Uh, it's not uh, doing well for us. Uh, it's much uh, more simple to focus on uh, 2021. I get uh, the better we'll mic. We'll be and, back uh, in uh, three years. Uh, uh, would you like a parmesan with my uh, stereotypical accent? Right. And on that note, thanks for listening. Matt, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> thank you for having me. And make sure if you guys have any questions at all, you want to hear us debate, argue, make jokes about, make sure to send us a message on Facebook or any platform you can find us on we would be happy to dive into that for you will thank you for your accents today it wouldn't have been the same without you <laughs> no problem remember guys to check out our youtube channel where we've got all of our old videos that we upload if you just want somewhere to go and binge for a bit uh we have them on facebook too but it's just a bit of variety in your life and that is the spice of life as they say so thanks for listening and to Johnny, thank you for joining us. I'm not going to plug anything. No, you are. Johnny, what are you doing? This has been brilliant. Thanks, guys. Johnny, Thanks you have to plug something. Me. There's something very special. Uh, I guess I, it would be uh, the web aside. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> FormulaNerds.com, go in there. Um, we're always putting on some fun stuff. There's some great numbers in the beginning there for you to kind of ponder how much they actually do race in the season. Uh, other than that, I'll see you next week. So thanks very much for listening. We out of here till next week. Goodbye. This is the Formula Nerds podcast where we talk everything F1, the latest results, what's going on in the sport, controversy, and of course, rumours.